to you live from Race City, USA. It's Blind Spotting, the NASCAR podcast from a fresh, personal, and blue collar take. Race reviews, race previews, the latest news, and more. And now, your hosts, Michael Colbert, Andrew Coates, and Travis Sherry. Welcome back, everybody, to Blind Spotting episode. 55. We are fresh off of Daytona and back in the studio. We did not go to Daytona, but we watched it together. My name is Travis Sherrill, alongside of the normal suspects, Michael Colbreth and Andrew Coates, live in the Cottle Creek compound. And tonight we are joined in studio by the driver of the number 23 champion power equipment Chevy Silverado for Petty GMS Racing in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, Grant Enfinger. Grant, thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, I appreciate y'all having me. Not a not a far drive from the house, too, so convenient <laughs> yeah. as well. So you're a race car driver, and ordinarily we would start an interview by asking about racing, but I, I'm not going to do that with you. I don't know how to ask this properly. Most people, I, I was going to say drivers, but I'll say most people have dogs or cats or or, or, or ferrets as pets. <laughs> ferrets? Uh, my, my brother-in-law had a ferret. You, however... <laughs> Squirrels. ...have something that is very well known among NASCAR fandom, and that is a pig. And this pig is named Wilbur. How, how did you acquire said pig? Give us the background of, of, of the pig, Wilbur. Everybody always asks about Wilbur. He's definitely become the, the more popular infinger these days. <laughs> Um, but as you know, we kind of live in the country, but you're, you're a little bit more in the city right here. I guess technically you're Mooresville. I'm Kannapolis. So I'm about eight or nine minutes away from you, but it's more back roads, more back roads and probably more backwoods, I guess you would also say. And, um, some guys, I don't know, half a mile down the road had bought four pigs and they escaped so there was pigs running across the road for three weeks and um me and the wife and the neighbors and everybody else we kind of you know kind of commandeered two of there was three left that the guy had originally bought for there was three crossing the road and you know i don't know how none of them got hit by a car or anything like that but um this was going on for a few weeks so we took it as our sign we'll We'll rescue these pigs. And we got two of them in, in the dog yard and, you know, fed them and kind of got attached. And we, we rounded up the owners and, and he came and got the two that we had caught and took them back. And then, um, I don't know, a week later, I think it was, I was actually in Talladega. Our neighbors called and said, you know, Wilbur, which we had named him because <laughs> we got attached. <laughs> Wilbur had come back to our pen and was trying to get in. I said, How about that? I said, well, open the gate. Let him in. <laughs> and he did. I, I called the guy back. I was like, hey, look, obviously, you know, the pig wants to live with us. He doesn't want to live with you. Do you mind if we keep him? And he was like, yeah, sure. So that's uh, that's the whole complete now, story. Now, does he ever travel with you? No, absolutely okay. not. We, we, did, we did have thoughts of that early on. We got him. He was probably six months old, roughly. Not a lot of exact science and yeah, sure, pigs. sure. <laughs> <Pig> um, <age. laughs> yes, but he was already rogue enough 
to where we couldn't, you know, there's people that have pot belly pigs that live inside with them and stuff like this. I think Tony Stewart does. There's lots of people. Yes. Yeah. Tony Stewart has, has a pig. There's lots of people, and, and I guess they get them from a young age, or maybe they nurture them better than we did. I don't know. But I let this pig come in our garage quite a few times. We have like a converted garage with a dog door and stuff. But he, no, he's he's not inside. He's pig. not, he's he's not, not allowed. He's, he's not, not allowed. No, he's not housebroke. <laughs> He'd try to eat baskets, eat everything that it's around them. So he does not come in anywhere anymore. Um, he's just a strictly an outside pig. And he seems to be happy that way. We're you, both happy that way. Do you have a leash and walk the pig, or, or does he just kind of trot along beside you, or does he just do his own thing? Else? So I have walked him a few times. He doesn't like the harness that you get on him, and he's grown to be, he's probably 120 pounds or so. Wow. Oh, wow. He's all muscle. He's a big pig. Oh, he's, he's he works very, out. very strong, yes. We keep him on a lean diet. He does a fair amount of workouts, mostly, you know, digging trenches and <laughs> moving trenches and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, he's, I, I'm pretty sure all pigs are strong and they're a lot faster than you would think. Oh yeah. yeah. When yeah. we were first trying to catch these pigs, it was quite comical, but, um, yeah, that's, that's the story of Wilbur. That's great. Well, and on a s- completely side note, it just popped in my head while you were telling the story about how fast they are. So up at the state fair, the North Carolina state fair every year, they have this very popular pig racing, uh, oh, yeah. that they, and they do the pot belly pigs. They have... I think some goats and some, but the, yeah, the it's very popular and they are fast. I mean, they and they love cheese puffs or cheese doodles. That's what those folks use. I don't know what Wilbur likes to eat the most, but that definitely pretty gets much, those pigs running. Pretty much, I can speak for Wilbur and all pigs is they like any kind of food. Yeah, you know? kind of or food. anything and not that's not food. They're like goats. Yes, well, that speaks they, for most humans, particularly the ones yeah. in this room. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Other than you, Grant, you're very yeah. slender. A few months ago, and pardon me, I can't remember when, but. You guys also had a baby. Yep. How's that going? He's, um, surprisingly, he's not as popular as Wilbur. I feel like everybody has a baby, so it's just, you know, oh, yeah. Now, is this your first first child? Yes, it is. Carson, he he was born eight months ago, and um, he's he's done good. He's he's probably done a lot better than me. Um, (laughs) Do you let him inside? We do. Okay. We do. (laughs) So my wife, Michelle, was just putting him down when, when I came out here, and she's, you know, she does 90% of the work. And, um, man, I I knew it was a commitment, you know, and we prayed about, you know, this and, and all. And like, we, we genuinely, like, I was at a stage of my life where, I, you know, I, I, I was really on board, wanted, wanted Carson to come into the world and, and all that. And, but I did not know how much work it was. Mm-hmm. You know, people tell you how much work mm. a kid is. It is an unbelievable amount of work. And you would think at times, like, bedtime for instance you would put him in bed and you would go to bed or watch tv or eat supper or whatever and you'd have your own normal life for six or seven hours or it's not like that it's not like that at all for us and um it's quite the commitment you know it does get better michael and i had our second and third children about your age uh and the thing that got me i don't know about for you michael was just the fatigue, you know, like, I guess if you're 25 and have a kid, like, but in the mid thirties, like we, we, mm-hmm. I was tired it wears you out, a yeah. lot on top of uh, work and on everything yeah, else. But it yeah. does, it does, it does get better. I will, I, 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 the only thing I will say is bedtime, I think remains a fight until they're out of the house. Uh, my son will put himself to bed, but the, the two girls, they, 
they fight it like we're sending them off to war. I mean, it's just it's just a battle every you gotta night. You got to make a game out of that. You know those 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 uh, dart tranquilizers they use for animals, like when they're the yeah, helicopters yeah. and the in the out in the safari, and they want to tag like a wildebeest or a you know yeah. Uh, you just uh, shoot them with that. Yes. Okay. Well, that so helps. with the two story house, you can really. You, you can kind of take advantage of some of the... Well, I can stand on the deck and shoot them in the backyard, maybe. Like Grant, a, that may not be anything that you would need to do with your child. Uh, maybe with Wilbur from now on. From time to time. <laughs> it might be. Especially as he... I'm assuming he's starting to crawl. He crawls. He He's a very healthy baby. You know, we, we can't complain about anything, but he just does not like to sleep. He yeah. doesn't like to sleep at night. He doesn't like to take his naps. He he just... He's he doesn't like Too it. much going on. Too much going on. Yeah. We're going to miss on. something. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, but... It, well, congratulations. Yeah, that's uh, great. That's, that's well, awesome. That you, that, um, and thank you, Michelle, for letting Grant come and spend some time yes. with us tonight. Thanks, you, Michelle. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we see what you did there. All right. Well, after all, this is a racing podcast. And oh, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so Daytona, Friday night, unfortunately, got caught up in somebody else's mess, finished 29th. What happened Friday night? Take us through the race. Yeah, it's... um. Unfortunately, like you mentioned, we wrecked, but it, it's it's kind of sad to say this, but it was pretty uneventful for us all, mm-hmm. all night long. We um we qualified seventh. Um, we weren't thrilled about that, but um, weren't weren't overly disappointed. Felt like we we had a pretty good champion power equipment Chevy um, to draft with. We we did a little bit of practice in um, uh, the the day before and felt pretty comfortable with it. Um, we got out for the race and we actually had some handling issues, which we never fight that in the trucks at Daytona and Talladega. Every once in a while, you'll, you'll get really loose from an aero standpoint, or you, you know, you'll have a lot of wheel in it and you'll snap around and, um, but 99% of all the wrecks are because of contact. Somebody's pushing somebody and they just lose control. Well, we were all having handling issues even without contact, which was surprising for us. Um, and this is my first time working with Charles DeNike, um, who's my crew chief at, at GMS this year. And um, so I actually put him to work and, and he made the truck better. And we, we basically opted to, to pretty much ride, you know, as close to the front as we could, but not push the envelope on anything uh, the first 75 laps or so. And then um, when it got into crunch time, we 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 tried to go, and uh, and we did a little bit. Um, we we made the second lane move for a little while. We we got up to the lead, but mm-hmm. we weren't good enough to to clear. Um, and then our our second lane kind of fell apart, and you know stuff stuff goes crazy, and and we ended up uh, getting shuffled to the back and um, pushed our way kind of back towards the seventh eighth spot or so. And then on the last lap. Um, yeah, they, they all decided to wreck, and I wasn't the first one there, but I was, you know, probably the second one to the scene of the, the accident, and uh, it, it unfortunately, it, it junked the truck, and, and that was a brand new uh, truck that GMS had, had built for us there. Um, hard impact, but I, I, I felt fine and all, and, you know, lo and behold, I thought we had taken the white flag, we are coming to the white flag, yep. and the caution light comes on like 10 minutes, or 10 feet before we actually... Yep. Yep. get to the white flag so rather than finishing seventh or eighth or whatever it would have been we finished 29th so um you know kind of unfortunate but you you know that going in you you know the odds at speedway racing there there's a good shot at, at, a, at a big wreck and um i guess the only thing that i'm kind of a little bit disappointed in is like i really thought 
we were going to wreck sooner. And that that's why we had kind of done the strategy that, that we were and, and kind of played it conservative. I, I tried mm-hmm. to just stay on the bottom. Uh, that way I would have at least a little bit of an escape route if they started wrecking. Um, whereas, you know, looking back, I could have just raced the heck out of it the whole time. But it's always, you know, the, a strategy game and, and you, you try to take all the information that you can. And, and, and a lot of it is, is your gut and your instinct. And, um, and you just go with it and, and, you know, you kind of got to, got to make the most of it. And I, I think overall us as a team, we, we did what we needed to do. It just, just really didn't play out, uh, the way we wanted it to. So in the past GMS has had, I mean, how many did they have last year? Five trucks, four mm-hmm. trucks, five, and now it's down to two, you and Jack Wood, correct? Yep. So in terms of, you know, the Daytona and Talladega strategy, you got a lot less players on the field, right? So, I mean, did you and Jack, I can't recall off the top of my head, but did you guys try to intentionally work together or did you just sort of do your own thing knowing that he's a rookie and he's learning a lot of stuff? Yeah, we wanted to. Um, we, we talked a lot before we got to the track, but we didn't have opportunity. Our, our truck bumpers never lined up during the race. Mm-hmm. He, he had um, kind of got shuffled to the back early on and, and he ended up having some issues halfway mm-hmm. through the race. That's right. Um, so we, we never got to work work with, with him. Uh, we worked with a couple other Chevrolets and um, you know, it, it's crazy how things have transitioned over the last really three or four years, how much the manufacturers are really wanting us to work together. And you see it big time on the, on the cup level. Yeah. Um, and, and this is all still pretty recent, even for those guys, but it is, it is definitely, um, transferred to the truck series. And, um, you know, we, we had a meeting before the race and, and we wanted to, to work with all the Chevy guys we could. But at the end of the day, you know, you, you work with whatever's going to help you at the for time. For sure. Every man for himself. Um, yeah. To go. So uh, we're fortunate enough to – we work good with Kligerman. He was able to, to push us up to the, to the front um, for a little while. And, and then also another Chevrolet, uh, Derek Krause, we oh, yeah. were able to push him there some at the end. But, um, you know, you, you play all this stuff out and you have all these plans and strategies and all. You get out there and, you know, you just do the best you can. And when it comes to crunch time – you're going with every run you can. You know, the first the first 70, 80 laps is a lot easier to plan out yeah, than yeah. those last 20 or 10 or 5 laps, you know. Yeah. Um, stuff obviously goes goes a little crazy. Now, in the truck series, you know, there's a fair amount of driver turnover, say, every, you know, there's there's a lot of guys coming, a lot of guys going. Do you, you know, you talked about Crouch, you talked about Clickerman, folks that have raced in that series for a while. Do you, do you try to get around guys you are like, I can ride here because I can trust these guys and avoid those yellow stripes on the bumpers? and Or, or do you just sort of look for what you want to do and, and kind of whoever's around you is around you? Yeah, there's absolutely guys that, that you want to work with that, that you trust as drivers. And, you know, there's eight or ten truck guys that, that have been there for, mm-hmm. for quite a few years. And then, you know, there's probably that many rookies. That's right. You know, so um, at the end of the day, you know, if it's five laps to go, you go with whoever, any, whoever, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, there's times been the, the last couple of years, not this year that, that I had rookies that were pushing me and, and pushed me great. There, there's also been times that I've seen them on the track and wanted to be nowhere near. Them. Sure. Um, and I mean, that, that's just the honest the truth. And, that's the nature and, of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when, when somebody is struggling to, you know, 
in your eyes, you know, just keep from wrecking when they're, you by know, themselves. by themselves. <laughs> you definitely don't want to touch them. You definitely don't want to work with them. You, you're, you're a little nervous when you roll around them on the outside, honestly. So, um, you, you do the best you can, um, with what you got. And, and you have, if there's two equal, you, you go with the guy you have more confidence in. Now do, I'll ask one more thing and then I'll let Mike on Travis jump in here, but in the cup series, you know, we saw a lot of instability off of two and four, which is, isn't necessarily unexpected and no totally different chassis and all that but but was that the sort of no-go zone for you guys as well like if you were i know you can't lock bumpers but is that a place like coming off of the corners you were like make sure you don't touch the guy because he's going around or or the truck's a little more stable normally i feel like the trucks are you know comparable i I think we we do have our hands full um because we run a it seems like we run a tight draft and um, we punt such a big hole that we have more horsepower. NASCAR allows us more horsepower. Mm. So we have handling issues sometimes, but never like we did this time. I feel like our handling issues were were significantly more than what the Cup guys had on Sunday and for sure what the Xfinity guys had on Saturday. And I don't exactly know why that is. Um, it's normally three or four or five times during a race you you have your hands full and, right. and you're trying not to wreck just from people doing different different area things, not necessarily just bumpers locked, but okay. you're you're holding on to it. Well, this time a lot of people were pedaling it. A lot of people were almost wrecking off a of turn four, you know, with nobody touching them, and that that's not normal for us. So gotcha. I don't exactly know what to blame that on, but um, you know, they were they were definitely more of a handful this time around than, than they have been in the do past. Do you prefer that because it makes it easier to separate a pack potential, like separate into single file or you just, you'd prefer them to be a little more stuck to the track because that means that somebody's not going to get it, get it out from under them and wreck. It really didn't separate our pack. Yeah, it didn't. It, yeah. it kept people from like, honestly, I was actually impressed. We're really bad about side drafting guys. And, um, we actually smartened up, you know, 20, 30 laps into the race People was stopped side drafting so hard because it was you know guys. the guys on the bottom mm-hmm. were were getting turned, so um you know and and that's why like I could see all this happening I, I knew how our truck was handling the guys in front of us I could see the leader get out of shape all the time so I really felt like we were gonna wreck and, yeah yeah and we we just didn't so um it, it was it was it was surprising to me so going back to uh, Jack Wood and were you aware of why he when when you're in the middle of the race. And he had a, and I was watching this, and this popped in my head. So when he went out, and there was a part that broke or a tire or something, are you aware that he's gone out and why he's gone out? And does that, in the back of your mind, make you think, okay, is that same part going to go out on my truck because we're teammates, or does that even enter your mind at all? I didn't even know he was out of the race okay. until afterwards. Um, I and I would rather it be that way. Mm-hmm. Um, if there are certain times where, hey, if I'd have been working with him and pushing him and he was pushing me, and then all of a sudden he's not there anymore, yeah, I would ask the question, what what happened to Jack or, or whatever. Um, but, yeah, I, I never even knew he had an issue until after the race, and we talked about it in our meeting and all that kind of stuff. Okay. So around lap 54 or 55, uh, there was a – period of time most of the time you were running the top 10 but there was a stretch there you went from ninth then like 15th back up to 10th when all that's going on i mean it makes me nervous to what well we had picked you in our fantasy league and so i was like sorry you know it's not your fault it's not your fault it's not your fault so you know we were going to have you on but i was also particularly interested we'd looked at the numbers too and yeah and you were (laughs) had been successful and so when that's what is I don't know if you can put that into words 
what that's like when you're that close with that many guys and you're shuffling positions. Is there anything you can compare that to that can help us understand of what that feels like and how do you keep your composure in that situation? Or is it just something you've gotten used to? Has it taken time to be what be good in those situations? Can you kind of help it, us understand that? It's a hard I don't I don't know exactly how to compare it unless you've been in that situation. It is it's entirely different than anything else that that I've ever done in my life uh racing or or whatnot. It's just a it's a different sensation. Uh, most time as race car drivers we're on the edge of the grip and we're 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 fighting grip and you know you've got a feel for whether you're driving on the right rear tire or the right front tire mm-hmm. what what the feel you need and all Daytona and Talladega everybody's wide open and you're in this really tight draft and everybody's moving around so much and air is buffering on the windshields and hoods and you know stuff is blowing around and um I it's definitely something that took getting used to um I feel like truck racing is pretty extreme when it comes to the draft. We punch such a big hole with it. Our closing rates seem to be really quick. Um, you'd mentioned we, we can't lock buppers. Well, we we can. NASCAR doesn't like it, you know. So when when you when you can actually you know tandem, even if it's only three or four seconds, you shoot out another five or six miles an hour. Right. You know, it feels like you just hit another gear. It's hmm. it's hard to. Um, it's hard to, you know, try to try to explain that to somebody because everybody's running at the max they can. Everybody's, you know, wide open, and then you know you you hit another you hit another gear and you can blow by them. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also the sensations of when they're hitting you, you are like literally. I mean, it feels like you're in a shopping cart now. They hit you on <laughs> the right rear, it's gonna make you crazy tight. If they get you on the left rear, it's gonna make you crazy loose. And if they get you, you know, jacked up some and pulls the rear tires off the ground, you have nothing. Um, and I know it, it's surprising to me, um, and, and I race in this stuff, and, and I've been doing it for a long time, but it's just surprising to me that when we wreck, a lot of times it's on the straightaway. I mean, yeah, we're going yeah. straight, but these things are so light and they're not loaded up, and you just hit the guy the wrong spot or, mm-hmm. you know, and you can't you can't see hardly anything when you're pushing somebody mm-hmm. you see him you can mm-hmm. the spoilers are so big everything the is positioned the way it is if you're actually physically pushing him you really can't even see through his windshield mm-hmm. if you're a few feet back you can see through his windshield a little bit if you're three quarters of a car length back then you can see in front of him a little bit and um you know when we're in ride mode when we're trying to just not wreck like i was for 70 laps or 75 <laughs> laps the other night that's how i was i was three quarters of a car link back where I could just see around where I could mm-hmm. at least make a move if something happens. Cause by the time something happens, mm-hmm. if a spotter relays it, you know, it's, it's almost too late. Yeah. Um, obviously spotters are a big deal, you know, it's clearing and, and what lane has momentum going and, and stuff like that. But if a wreck happens and, and you don't see it unless you're, you know, 20 car links back, it, it's too late. Right. Okay. Well, thanks for walking us through that. I know it's hard to relate to, I imagine something like a super fast roller coaster when you're just behind somebody and you can't really, but that's the only thing I can really you have, feel. You have some control, you know, but you don't have all the control. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Yeah, and there's maybe. so many things out of your control Yeah, going on around you. Are you, I mean, is, are you, do you get nervous? 
I don't get nervous, um, but I definitely like there, there's times that, that I get anxious but before the race or whatever, you know, I, I try to play out, you know, this is what my strategy is going to be on the start. I, I think this guy is going to be, you know, good on the restart. I, I won't be able to fill this hole, with, but maybe I can with this one and, and stuff like that. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't, I wouldn't say I get nervous. Mm-hmm. I was definitely concerned when I was spinning, you know, backwards. I just hit the wall pretty hard Friday night. And then there was more trucks coming towards right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Point. yeah. I was like, hmm. And then you don't realize how fast you're going until you sliding for is it slow motion or is it just it's just really fast when when that's happening is it do you have time to think about it much other than just that split second oh my god here they come sometimes yeah like friday night like i was standing on the brakes and just sliding Mm -hmm. i felt like forever um and then there's other times that you know it's not like that but daytona and talladega you just you you almost lose lose a little bit of the feel of how fast you're going Mm -hmm. until you hit something that's really hard you stop yeah. So when you go to the infield care center, and I've always wondered this, and you did that Friday night. What what do they do to you in there? If you if you're able to get out of get out of the truck, walk away, walk into the care center, what what are they checking you for when they, you walk in there? They if you check all your that. vitals, and you know you you know you tell them you're not sore, you're not hurting, and all that kind of stuff. And um, now for the last couple of three years, <clears throat> they have a few different tests that they do. Um, one of the tests that we do every other year is like this elaborate kind of concussion test Mm -hmm. that you do on a computer and stuff like that. Well, what they do every time you go in the infield care center, and hopefully that was my only trip this year, um, is they, they give you a baseline test of all these numbers in these lines, um, they have a name for this thing and I, I can't remember it. Um, but basically they, they make you spit out all these numbers that are in a line. And you know, if yeah, I guess if you have a concussion, you can't see, you know, what numbers are on no. what line and they're pretty small. Um, and they make, they, they time you. So they time you at the beginning of the season when, before you wreck. Right. And then they, they time you afterwards. I was going to ask that if you and did if, that before. Yeah. Other than at the time. Oh, you're, since you're in here. Yeah. Oh, let's get this baseline. Well, it might not be the best time. And if but you, they do that before. Yeah. Okay. And if you don't do whatever to those standards, yeah. then they go further and they have other baseline tests that they check you against okay. with, with all that stuff. And Well, that's good to know. I'm glad, <clears throat> I'm glad as a fan that they're doing that to protect you guys. Yeah, you know, yeah, it may be I, a hassle for you, but we appreciate it. Yeah, I differ on that some. I I feel like you know I I don't want to see anybody get hurt, um, but I I kind of feel like you know if if you get a concussion and you don't want to race the next week, don't race the next week. You know, if you get a concussion and you want to race the next week, whether the doctor says it's a good idea or your wife or whatever, like I I feel like we should have some responsibility, you know, and, and this stuff means a lot to some people, some people, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I would, I kind of appreciate having, you know, some, some power of saying yay or nay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I know like safety is a big deal and, and you see it in all sports. Um, you know, there's football players that they want to get back in the game and, yeah. and they can't because of protocol and, and stuff like that. And, and I get it. Um, I would just, you know, I'd like to be that guy saying, yeah, I'm ready to race and not somebody else. Gotcha. I understand that part of it too. Yeah, that makes sense. 
Travis, you want to get those, into some history, or do you have some more? No, those are interesting comments. Yeah. Um, so, originally from Alabama, <clears throat> started racing go-karts at age 11. Was racing, like, did your family race, or how did you... How did you get involved in racing? Did you go to a race and love it? Or take us kind of through the, the beginning part of your of your racing career, because you had a lot of success. Um, you know, nobody in my family raced. Um, I always enjoyed racing. My my dad was a race fan. He was a Dale Earnhardt fan. And um, he he didn't know anything about racing. He was just a race fan. That was, that was kind of like his pastime. He would, he would watch you know, racing first, I'd say, and then college football second. Mm -hmm. And, um, we would go to Talladega every year, you know, starting when I was four or five years old and just enjoyed that as a, as a family, um, really more me and him and, and, and a friend of his and, and his son would kind of, kind of go and, and hang out. And, and he also had a, uh, a client that, uh, that raced the local track in Mobile. Mm -hmm. And so we would, you know, go watch him race anytime we could. And, um, from an early age, I was like, Hey, we need a go-kart <laughs> dad. We need a go-kart. Um, so I started that pretty early, like five, six, seven years old. And then it took to 11 to where I finally wore him down and he came home with a go-kart and, um, he did not know what, what he got himself into. So he, um, he has zero mechanical ability He's a he's a divorce attorney in Alabama, <laughs> and um, he's great at what he does. But he um, he he can't put a lug nut on. He can't. <laughs> I he just I love him, but he has zero mechanical he's not ability. A mechanic, yeah, no. Nah. So me and him go kart racing was a struggle, you know. But it was fun. We we had a great time um, traveling together, and, and you know I, I would get frustrated because um you know I'm I'm a competitor i, I want to win all the time and, mm -hmm. and i was so young i didn't really understand all the aspects and um you know past that i guess i, I was about 15 when i started racing legends cars mm -hmm. and we raced all over the southeast with that and, and still we we did that as a family more or less like me and my dad um if my dad couldn't go my mom would go with me and, and stuff like that and, and sometimes a friend of ours would would go with us and, and help um, but that's when I was 15, that's when it, when I decided is like, it's what I want to do for a living, you know, in some way, shape, form or fashion, this is what I want to do for a living. And, and I started taking it extremely serious at that point and, um, and, you know, kind of moved on from there. So when you raced in that legend series, anybody that you're still racing against today or that you raced against in ARCA or just curious? Yeah. You know, I'm actually really good friends with, uh, David Reagan. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Lives right down the road from us here. And, um, you know, that that's, you know, where I, I actually, you know, started a lot of friendships there. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, but that's one that, you know, we're still racing with here. Also, um, you know, Logano, he was, I think 10 years old. I don't, I don't know how he was racing at that time. Cause I, I think, <laughs> I think I was 15, 16 and he was, he was 10, mm -hmm. um, racing at, you know, the same tracks in Georgia and stuff like that. And, and, and both of those guys helped us out along the way. We kind of helped each other. Hmm. Um, so it was cool to, um, to have those, those friendships and, and all like that stick with you along the way. So then you moved up to ARCA in 2008 at Iowa and, um, you had a pretty good 
ARCA career, 15 wins, championship. Tell us a little bit about ARCA. Yeah, so I always, you know, that that was kind of me and my dad's dream was, was ARCA. We felt like that was maybe the, you know, the out of reach, but closest to attainable out of reach goal in racing. Felt like that was, you know, that had the platform to where, hey, if you succeed in ARCA, you have the opportunity to get the call or to, mm-hmm. you know, turn this into a career as a driver. Um, you know, where, you know, at, at that point in life, I was like, I'm, you know, I'm hell bent on, I'm racing for a living. Now, whatever that means, I don't know. Like that's a mechanic, <laughs> if that's a crew chief, if that's a hauler driver, if that's, you know, a driver that obviously I've I always wanted to drive. There was most of the times in my career where I was, not just a driver, mm-hmm. um, whether it be legends cars or go karts or ARCA cars or whatever the case may be, I was probably more of a mechanic than a driver because because I feel like that's what I had to be at that time to to be able to make things work. Um, but anyway, ARCA ARCA was the goal, and uh, as soon as m- my parents were were very you know adamant that that I go to school because obviously racing for a living is, is a pipe dream to, to some extent. Um, I've been fortunate to, to do it, but, um, it's obviously the, the odds aren't with you, you know, to, to do that. So they were adamant that, that I went to school and, and, um, I still look back. I, I don't know if it was a good decision or a bad decision, but, but I'm, I'm glad I, I did that for them because they, yeah. they had obviously done so much for me and, and my career and are still incredibly supportive. They were, my mom and dad were both at Daytona this past week. So they've, uh, they've, they supported me. And so I, I felt like it was important to, to kind of do something that they were that adamant about. Um, so I went to school at, uh, South Alabama, graduated from there and, you know, two, three days after that, I was moving to Charlotte. So that's great. Now, now that was in 2000 and what, seven? Yeah, that would, that would be the, the winter of 2007. Gotcha. So I've been up So how did you since. end up getting into ARCA at the start of 28 or I know it wasn't the start of the season, but in 20, 2008, 2008. How you, yeah. How'd you, how that call come about? Yeah. So I'd been in contact with people who were trying to find jobs and, and stuff like that when I was still in Alabama, knowing that I was moving up there. And um, got in touch with uh, Corey Stott, who uh, I'm still friends with up here. He had a he had an ARCA car, and uh, went to Daytona with him. Um, he didn't have a full time car that season, and soon after that, um, I ran into Andy Belmont, went to work for him, and uh, was driving the hauler for him and and working as oh, a wow. mechanic, and uh, got the opportunity to start and park his car at Iowa and a few different races that year. And able to um, learn everything we could about the ARCA series and um, had some um, really some supporters of mine, some sponsors and friends and just overall supporters of mine at the Beasley Allen Law Firm, which is a big law firm in Alabama. They helped us go super late model racing. Well, we had ran actually pretty good and qualified pretty good in some of these starting park races. And I, you know, leaned on them and talked to them about, you know, running our own car. Mm-hmm. And so the opportunities that, that I learned from other teams in, in 2008 kind of, uh, led me to, to be able to run our own car in 2009, which we had success doing. We, we never won a race. We, we ran top three. I feel like every time we unloaded and, and turned a lot of heads, I feel like at, at that point of my career, but, um, man, it was stressful. It was 
I had zero fun doing it. Um, hmm. It's kind of sad to say because it's what I always wanted to do, but running the team aspect and, and the financial burden and the, the, the people and the logistics and, you know, even a, a small ARCA team like that, it, um, from a business side, I wasn't ready and, and just didn't enjoy it. Mm. I enjoyed, and I've always enjoyed the competition side of it. And, um, so, so it, it was, you know, just, um, I guess part of, part of the learning experience and, and all that, but, it it definitely allowed me to have a much greater respect, I think, than than some of the guys I race with for for car owners, you know, and and for what they go through. And man, it's it is not an easy thing to to own one of these cars. And and most of them, at this even at the truck series level, it's it's not financially feasible. Like it, there there's a few people that that can make it make financial sense, but it's very very tough. Um, and you know, as racers, for whatever reason, we, we're just, I mean, we like to complain about everything. (laughs) And so you have somebody pouring their heart and soul and money into something and everybody on the crew and team is complaining about something or whatever. It just, um, it, it's a, it's a part of it that, that I don't like. And, you know, like I said, I'm very appreciative for, for the car owners I've I've had in my career because it's, it's not a, it's not a glorifying deal. Well, I was going to say, you know, it's um, if you want to be a, like a celebrity chef, it's important to do all the jobs that that lead up to that. Or and I, and understanding all the different parts that go into just beyond just driving the car gives you a deeper appreciation for all those other aspects. Now that you are primarily the driver, and you kind of understand what all those other people are going through and the stress related to, and maybe as the driver you may not complain as much because you know what it's like to be on the other side of that that coin i would i would guess yeah i definitely i do know what it's like to be on the other side of that thing and there, and there are certain aspects of it that you know i've i've crew chiefed in my career and i've done you know different things that that actually help me be able to relate to the crew yeah. chief and, and be sure. able to reflect the, the information that I'm feeling in the car or the truck and relate that to, to the guys that can make that stuff mm-hmm. faster. So yeah, there, there's a few things that definitely, um, feel like is an advantage yeah. looking, looking back. Um, but you know, at the time I, I came through just after, you know, the, the time where it was all about the young kids and, and we're still in that era, you know, so that, so there's times that like early on in my career, I'm I'm looking at people with with different opportunities and, and stuff like that and and envious of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the last five or six years, I've I've kind of looked back on it as like you know I'm I'm kind of proud that you know I've I've had to fight and claw and have right. have taken some of these bad situations and some of them didn't work out at all, but they they still had had worked to get me where I am. Yeah. Um, and you know it, it's it's something that's a little bit different path because I, I feel like the the predominant path right now is is not a Ross Chastain it's a Christopher Bell mm-hmm. you know it's mm-hmm. it's somebody they they find them early on they put them in the best stuff all the way through Harrison um, Burton yeah I mean most of them yeah. at this time not all of them but but most of them and and I definitely didn't didn't have that that easy cut and dry path that's for sure so in talking about that. I was going to bring this up later, but I'll bring it up now since since we're on the subject. You've been in the truck series for quite a while, 
and it you're having success there. It seems like you're happy in the truck series. My question is, you're 37. Have you had what we might call major opportunities to move up into the Xfinity and Cup Series? Or have those not materialized and you, and you look at it and say, you know, I can either I can either stay in the truck series, win races, and compete for championships, or I can go to the Xfinity and truck and Cup Series and fight for twenty fifth every week. Yeah, I, I to answer your question, I haven't had good opportunities in Xfinity or Cup, um, and and it was a huge struggle in my career to to get to where hey, I've I've got great opportunities in the truck series. Um, you know, this will be my sixth full time season, more or less, in the truck series. And um I've I've been with a, a top notch organization here and mm-hmm. and I'm in a in a place at GMS racing where there's a lot of effort um from Chevrolet, from GMS, from everybody involved to to make this a legitimate championship effort team. Um so that's something that that I'm proud of. Um you know, if there would be an opportunity to to run a, a top-notch Xfinity car or a top-notch cup car, it's not something that, you know, that that I would shy away from by any means. But my focus and what's been my focus for the last five years is being able to dominate the truck series. And not there yet. You know, we've made huge strides in, in certain places and there's a lot of times you, you feel like you, you've made, you know, two steps forward and, and then you take five steps yeah. back like, like last year. And, um, it, it's, uh, it, it's definitely the truck series. There is a, a lot going for it. I'm, I'm at the point of, of my life and my career that I'm just incredibly you know, thankful for these opportunities mm-hmm. that I'm getting. And there's, there's a lot of people that, that I've raced with and still race with that that would, um, you know, trade, trade spots with me for sure. Um, but, but yeah, as a racer, you, you, you always want to be competing against the best and, and everything like that. But, um, truck series has, has been pretty stacked the last couple mm-hmm. of years. Yeah. And from a, so. from a competition standpoint, you know, we got anywhere from 16 to 20 trucks that are, spending all the money, have all the right people, have the opportunities to win. And, um, man, it, it's tough, but it's, it's enjoyable. So I want to ask about 2020. And then you mentioned last year, you win four races in 2020 best year of your career in the truck series by far. Um, I think you'd run two, two additional races before that. And then all of a sudden part-time schedule at Thor sport. Do you mind telling us how, like, how was that a sponsorship deal? How, how did it come to be that all of a sudden you go from having your best season threatening for a championship and then now you're running for two different teams to, to run a full schedule? Yeah, I, I still don't know all the ins and outs. I know there, there was some stuff that, that I found out about and, and stuff that, you know, I, I really just don't know how everything played mm-hmm. out. I just, I was very confident that I was going to be back full time and had had, you know, a, a couple of people actually contacted me and couldn't get off the phone fast enough with them. You know, I yeah. didn't want anything to change. Didn't want anything to change from a team perspective or who I was driving for or my crew chief or anything felt like we had, we had built something that was, you know, not very successful at the beginning and kept all the people intact and just made each of us on the team better and better and better. And, um, 
and something I wanted to keep together. But yeah, it, it was a huge surprise to me. Um, I found out early January when I'd gone to the shop, it was kind of buzzing around up there and, and, and yeah, I was going part-time and at that point it was too late to do anything else. Sure. And, um, had some very, you know, point blank discussions with, with Duke Thorson, who is our owner up there. And, uh, I understood where he was coming from. He understood where I was coming from and he made some changes to make me happy with the schedule that I had up there. And, um, but yeah, it was, it was definitely a, there was, there was a time in there to where I told him I was done and I told Michelle to go back to work and I'd figure something out, you know? And, um, I was, it was definitely a huge, huge disappointment. Um, something that, that I didn't see coming at all. Um, still not exactly a hundred percent sure why it happened the way it happened, but I feel like all that stuff happens for a reason. And it, um, it's definitely a test and I, I couldn't be more happy about the opportunity that I have right now. And something that I've never had in my career at all is a two year contract. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. I know, I know Chase Elliott what? just signed a five year contract yeah, the other day. You're getting there. Well, getting there. I normally don't have a contract, you know, I, I you know, a lot of times, you know, I'll have a, a year long contract or, you know, uh, an agreement and the sponsor has an agreement or whatever. Um, but I've never had a two year deal. Wow. So, and I'm a sponsor very, to, and a sponsor to go with you. Yeah. Cause they, they, they left to come with you. Yeah. It, so yeah. champion power equipment has been with me in some way, shape, form or fashion for, I guess, seven years now, maybe, maybe even eight years. So they've been a huge supporter of me, um, in, in my career. And, um, man, they're, they're, you know, the, a big part of the reason this, this happens. So, um, very fortunate for that. There's, um, you know, there's, there's, you know, different situations for different drivers, but, but our goal is, you know, me personally in the truck series and champion power equipment, I feel like we've kind of grown together mm-hmm. and our goals have, have kind of been, been checking off, you know, some, some of the dots together. So it's pretty, pretty cool to kind of grow, um, you know, as partners and, and our friendships and we're both kind of accomplishing our goals. So it's, it's worked out great for well, us. I thought the truck looked great. It I mean, did. as far you can, it really stands out. Like you can, you can definitely pick out the two or the three, uh, the, the Thor sport guys, you know, cause they all kind of look the same. And then that one Luna, the orange one. And, uh, a couple of them, and well, Deegan's truck stands out with the one, but you could really see the twenty three easily yeah. on on TV. It really that 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 color really really pops. Yeah. So that color, especially that, at that night, really, yeah, it looked it looked great. And I mean, you know, we were actually we talked about you this time last year, but how we were surprised you'd won, run so well, and your first eleven races, first ten races for Thor Sport last year, you never finished worse than eleventh. If five top fives, I mean, we kept saying should have been in the playoffs. You should have been in the playoffs, but that yeah. damn Daytona road course, right? So uh, we were thrilled to see that you were going over to GMS because we we were like, this guy, he he's a player. I want to ask you about Matt Crafton. You talk about guys that have sort of made their career in the truck series, and um, what was it like being his teammate? What did you learn from Matt? I mean, he's been. A stalwart in the sport for how long, Travis? 13, 14 years in the truck series? Yeah, he's three time champion? Yep. What was it like being his teammate? You know, there was there was times like early on that that I leaned on on mm-hmm. him for advice, especially first year or two. Um, there was times that that, you know, I I 
I would just go to them for, you know, wherever we're going. If, if I'd never been to Dover, even if I had been to Dover once or, or whatever, and, and picked his brain in, in a lot of ways like that. Um, I feel like sometimes, you know, as, as stuff goes on, some of those relationships change some mm-hmm. to where, you know, there, there's, there's times it, it never felt like we were all four teammates okay, at the same yeah. time at Thorsport. I, I feel like there is, there is times that, you know, me and Johnny were close, me and Ben were close, me and Matt were close, but it's like, we're never all four on the same, on page, the same page together. Um, you know, and hmm. I think Duke, our, our owner up there liked it like that. Oh like yeah, I, he would he would stir the pot if if people were too happy. He would you know try to <laughs> try to throw a wrench in hey, there. You know what yeah. uh, you know what Grant said about you. Yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> a lot of that yeah. Um so so I I think there is there is you know mutual respect for for all of those people that I named. Um you know but there's certain times where there's little you know tips here and there. And, sure. And you know stuff that well, any family that's going to be. Yep. Yeah, I'm so. sure the Hendrick guys don't always get along. You well, know. you know, I think too at the Cup Series, man, they probably don't see each other, but on Monday mornings, I mean, you go to the show, you yeah, go, yeah, you're in your maybe. own hauler, you're in your, you know, you, you, they probably don't. It's probably like the Rolling Stones where they show up, they play, and then they don't see each other. Yeah, and then nobody recognizes Mick Jagger. I bet in the Kyle South Chase End. probably hang out together. They seem like they'd like the same things, but. Bowman seems like he's kind of out on a, has his own deal. Byron. Yeah, he's and then uh, Byron I can guarantee you the four Gibbs guys don't hang out. No, <laughs> probably not. Anyway, that's so we didn't topic. come here off to topic. talk about off them. Topic. So I want to I want to go back to 2015. 2015. I mentioned way early in the interview. This is your second go around with GMS. 2015, you won an ARCA championship with them. What's it like winning a championship? I, I know it was an ARCA championship, but it's still a championship. What, what's that like? Um, definitely a culmination of, you know, a, a dream come true for, for me and, and for how out of reach just racing in the ARCA series was for, for me and my dad, you know, growing up. And, you know, it's just a, you know, an unattainable dream. And to, to kind of go through the hardships of that to, you know, it's not like we started running okay stuff. I, I started running starting park cars mm. and then got to where it's running our own equipment and then to running better equipment for other people and then got to running, you know, some of the best equipment. Um, so, it, you know, I, I feel like it was something that definitely wasn't easy. Something, um, you know, I ran three full-time seasons in the Arca Series, but I raced in the Arca Series for eight or nine, 10 years, you know, right. whether it be mm-hmm. one race in a season or five races in a season, um, or, or, you know, the whole season there, there's, I'm, I'm definitely proud of my, my time in the Arca series. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that no, if you're winning a go-kart race or, a you know, a, a race here out of Millbridge or a, you know, a, a dirt race somewhere, it, it doesn't matter. Like, winning on any level mm-hmm. is is difficult um so definitely proud you know of that that accomplishment and um you know in in 2014 i was racing with a team that was struggling financially and struggling to make it to the track and um really don't think they had any intentions of running the full season but i'd won the first three races of the year <laughs> and it and it had kind of put the team owner in a position to where he wanted to keep racing <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
but didn't have the finances to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a couple of times the team had shut down and I talked them into going to the race anyway. And just a, a lot of, um, kind of just financial turmoil more, more than anything. And in that process, um, I ran into, you know, the Gallagher's and, and the guys at GMS racing and Spencer Gallagher, who was racing ARCA full-time at that time, yep. decided to step out of his seat and let me step in his seat uh, halfway through the 2014 year. And so I spent 2014, 2015, and 2016 at GMS Racing. So um, it's kind of funny how how some of that stuff works mm-hmm. out. And, um, you know, it's, it's different relationships that, that you know – you help people down the way and sometimes they help you more than you could ever repay them. Sure. And, um, there's been so many times in my career where I thought, you know, the final door was closing and the final chapter mm. to where, you know, I got to do something else for a living. <laughs> yeah. You know? Right. But, um, right. you know, so many of those situations that, I, that I've run into and, and I feel like kind of my success story, more or less, if you want to call it success story, is just, I mean, not giving up on the dream. Yeah. I want to ask you as an Alabama guy, three straight wins at your home track in Arca or your first truck win at Talladega, which one do you, which one is, I mean, they're all special, I understand, but like, if you're like, man, that's the one, like, it must be pretty cool to win at home, but also your first truck win at coming at the track you used to go to when you were five years old. I'd say, honestly, you know, from a, from a career standpoint, it would be that first truck win at Talladega. Mm-hmm. But from a me personal standpoint, it's the first, my first ever ARCA win was in Mobile. Um, you know, my home track, I'd been running ARCA five, six, seven years at that point and done everything but win. Yeah. It must have led, you know, hundreds and hundreds of laps and <laughs> could never just finally get over the hump. Get over the hump. And then once, once it did that, it's kind of like, you know, we won quite a bit after that. Um, so I, I think that was probably the most special, even though, you know, Mobile was, you know, that, that local type track and local feel. But, um, you know, that that one was special. Awesome. On that note, and you took took such a long time and it was such a road and and to get there. And when you finally got there and this, you start, it started rolling for you, do you have conversations with other drivers that are struggling with that i'll use matt de benedetto as an example the guy's been so close so close so close maybe not him are there other people that that and i don't know how close the drivers are in the garage do you have conversations with other guys like man i just i just can't get there but you've gotten there you know what it feels like to get there do you have those kind of conversations with our drivers or that do they not want to expose that part of themselves to you I think a lot of people don't want to show their weakness mm. and all. I'd say I have those conversations with, uh, you know, Brett Holmes, who's from Alabama. I've helped them some. When 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 they first started racing ARCA, they had basically bought the equipment from GMS that I was racing. And, um, you know, I helped them in the process. They they actually helped me to, to go to that race in Talladega that I ended up winning. Um, so they're – you know, I, he leans on me a lot for, for situations like that. And I kind of tell him point blank where I've been. And, and you know, he, we're, we're pretty real with each other mm-hmm. as far as that stuff goes. There's there's a couple other people in the garage, you know. Um, I'll, I'll talk with, you know, whether they be friends of mine or just people that, 
you know, kind of grew up the same way, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of, kind of build those relationships. It's, right. You know, sometimes you don't see eye to eyes to somebody that, that was brought up just so completely different. Than right. You. right. Um, so there's, there's kind of a, a mutual respect that you have for somebody that that's worked their butt off to get where they are. Sure. The 2022 truck schedule is about the most eclectic schedule that I think I can remember in the truck series. You got dirt, you got road courses, you got a couple new venues in Mid Ohio and uh, O'Reilly Rate or ORP. Lucas Oil ORP. Raceway, yeah. Park, whatever that track. The changes. old IRP. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Is there a track or type of track that you like racing at most, and is there a track that you're really looking forward to racing at this year, even if you've raced there before? You know, I'm looking forward to Knoxville. Uh, you know, it, it ended up being a crash fest last year, but I like the places where you have throttle control. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, in my eyes, unfortunately, like a lot of the NASCAR racing, especially the truck racing, um, we have so little horsepower, so much downforce. The way the gearing is with our Elmore motors, like even in Martinsville, when we get in the gas, we're pretty much wide open. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the motor is bogged down. You're trying to keep momentum. I like the races to where you have to have an egg under your foot. Otherwise, you're going to blow the tires off. Right. Um, and that's kind of dirt racing now for, for us in the truck series. Um, you have a little bit of that at Richmond, but but Knoxville, like when we raced Eldora, that was kind of the, the epitome of that. And I like that kind of racing. That, that, that's natural for me. Um, you know, trying to keep your momentum up and trying to just not slide that right rear tire. You know, I think a lot of that is from my super late model experience back in Alabama and, and I like that kind of racing. So I, I definitely am looking forward to mid Ohio and Sonoma as well as new on the schedule yeah. for us. That's right. I'm not a road course guy, but I've put a lot of effort into getting better at road courses. Um, feel like I made a lot of progress last year and I'm, uh, I, one one of the things on my bucket list is to to win a road course race. So um, definitely have a, a lot of emphasis on so, that this so year. So they replaced Watkins Glen, correct? Yep. yep. Now, are they running, Travis, the full course at Sonoma? They're, We're running no, the, they're, shoot. They're the shoot. They're running the shoot. Okay, you are running the shoot. Yep. Okay. Which they they had gone back to the full course with the cup guys the last three or four years, and now they're going back to back the shoot. Back to the shoot. Yep. yep. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of like when they did the Roval. You know, they have that extra part that they never put in. Because all it was was a bunch of extra turns and no passing zones. And I feel like kind of that's what happened. That's why they don't run the boot at Watkins Glen. And, yeah. You know, because, it, yeah, it's a longer track, but it doesn't make the racing any better. In fact, yeah. I'd rather watch that carousel come all the way around and watch guys try to get a run into turn 10, or what do they call it, turn 6 now. It used to be turn 10. But, um, and, Michael, what about you? The last question? What about me? Um, or you want to save for your green-white checkers? Well, I, yeah, I've got a couple of those. But, well, we haven't asked this question of our guests in a little while, we used to ask it of everybody. Yeah, we did. Let's let's do this. Oh, so, yeah. if if you had fifteen minutes, thirty minutes, forty five minutes to sit down with with anyone, have a share a, a pint of beer, a meal, or just sit and chit chat, anybody from racing's past, living or dead, live yes, who would that one person be? I'm from Alabama. Be Davey Allison for sure. Yeah. So yeah. Very good answer. Have you met Bobby? Yeah. Yeah. So I've I've actually been around Bobby quite a few you times. 
um, when I was racing ARCA, Justin Allison and, and Donnie Allison mm. were around us quite a bit. Justin raced for the team for a little while. Um, so yeah, know all those guys and, and red and, you know, there's, you know, Bobby, I guess he's the, the most famous of, of those guys, but also probably the classiest or, or whatever, the, the most politically correct yeah. as well. Yeah. Donnie and, and red, they're just a good time. Um, and ton of, <laughs> ton of respect for, <laughs> yeah. for those guys, it's man. It's, it's, um, it's... crazy what, what all they have accomplished in uh in their time in racing and i know our listeners are tired of hearing about this but we've had the discussion that had davy and tim richmond not met early demises that the 1990s would have looked very different for dale earnhardt and jeff gordon it's definitely possible i mean that's that's some of the the most talent that, that you could ever think of right there and yeah obviously gone way too soon oh yeah so um we kind of touched on what you're looking forward to this season and and the tracks and that sort of thing but I think we all in this room feel, and and many people outside in the media feel like you guys are a legitimate threat for the title this year. Having gone through that with ARCA, having been close in the past in 2020, you know, making the playoffs, what's your mindset going into this year? Like, how are you guys approaching? Is it, is it, do you have goals set for by here we want to be here in the point standings or by this point we want to try to have so many top fives or do you just take it race by race and let the chips fall where they may? I mean, at this point in the season, like our, our discussion before the race at Daytona was was not to get carried away with stage points, but try to put ourselves in position to win. Mm-hmm. And expectations for us that, that we've put on ourselves are, are very high this year. And different teams handle stuff different ways. Um, but this can obviously be a high pressure sport and and there's there will there will be a lot of outside and inside pressure put on us this sure. year. And all we can do is, you know, know what the reason that we're hired to do what we do and to do it our way. Right. Um, there, there's been times in, in my life that, that I've, I've let stuff change how I drive or, or how I would do things for a, you know, a month or two or three months in a row. And I look back and it's like, no, you know, like, Hey, I'm going to do it my way or mm-hmm. you know, fire me. Right. Um, and I, I almost feel like you have to have that mentality. If you, if you get spun out with, with, you know, a Daytona going bad or, you know, God forbid Vegas goes bad or something like that. If, if you get off your game and start doing what somebody else wants you to do, you, it's not going to be successful. So, um, you know, our, our focus is just make the most out of whatever opportunity we have. Hopefully that's winning races early, but you know, if we have a fifth place truck, we're going to work our butt off to make it a third place truck. Sure. You know, if we have a, a contending truck, we're going to try to do everything we can to capitalize on that. And, um, so much is in our control, but there's, there's also aspects that aren't out in our control. And, and, um, you know, you kind of got to let that, you know, slide off your shoulders. And, and I'll ask this one last thing. And then Michael, do hmm. you like, he's limiting you, but he's asked like three questions. I know. I, Go ahead. Thank you, Grant. For, <laughs> I know. Well, I, I noticed. Finally. <laughs> Do you like no, the no, fact no winning in the playoffs or did you, do you prefer like a season long title? Me personally, I think that we like, we didn't need any more incentive to win races. <laughs> we were perfectly content wrecking somebody for the win before we had a playoff. Yeah. Scenario. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I wish <laughs> that there was more of a precedence put on, finishing mm-hmm. and to bring a whole truck home to your team owner. I wish there was more 
precedence put on that. It it this day and age that we're racing, if we go to Daytona and eighty percent of the trucks wreck, it's not a big deal. Yeah. If we go to Knoxville and you're running fifth and you drive through the four trucks in front of you to win the race, you still get the checkered flag. Nobody like takes that from you. You you've won your way into the playoffs. I, man, I I just don't think it should be like that. I've you know, I can complain about it all I want, but like that's how we race, so I'm gonna get in there there and you gotta and yeah, I gotta race. play the way the other guys yeah. are playing, yeah. And and so that's what I've done, but I, I don't like that. I I wish that there was more of a precedence put on finishing and and you know, everybody says the Matt Kenseth championship year was boring or whatever, but I mean, there's something to be said for, you know, for mm-hmm. making it through all these races and and there's something to be said for wrecking all these trucks and cars and all that stuff too. And I don't I don't like that that. I, I just I, I think there needs to be more precedence on finishing and and now the way it is, like you just have to be whatever it is, top twenty or top thirty in points. Basically that's a non factor. You just have to win. Yeah. If you start in. every week you're in the truck series, you're For top sure. thirty, right? Yeah. So And the right. cup series too. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, Michael, you're I up. I appreciate that perspective. Yeah, we like I, that. I like that's that. that's yeah. interesting. Different take. Hot yeah. take from Grant and Finger. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Now this is a hodgepodge of just I mean all kinds of stuff. This what I really like what I really questions in one, isn't it? it well, is. mate These are not probably not racing. See, related. I wasn't gonna ask you this, Grant, but now you've now you've now you've Uh-oh. forced me into it. <laughs> oh Lord. What I really want to ask you, and you're not gonna answer this, and I would encourage you not to answer it, but I asked <laughs> the, I asked this question of these guys last week. Who's gonna win first? Matty D or Haley D? It's okay. You don't have to answer it. You don't have to answer that. We went with Matty D last week. That's well, a, it's I also just, not exactly... I want exactly them both them. to do well. Do not do you? Do yeah. you as another driver? I yeah, mean, I yeah. want them both to do well. Um, I, I know Matty, you know, okay from, you know, just being in the same circles and stuff like that. And, and he's been in situations to where he hasn't been in the best equipment, but he's had the last three or four years in the best of cup equipment too, mm-hmm. you know? So obviously stuff is, is changing for him and all. And I, I like the guys he's teamed up with. Um, the truck series is incredibly competitive right mm-hmm. now. Yes. He's with a newer team. They've been around for a year. Um, you know, I, I definitely think Mac can, can win truck races. I think if they hit things from a team standpoint, then they can too. But a lot of times that stuff takes time in, in the truck series to build a team, to build a team capable of, of winning even just one race. It, um, yep. it's incredibly tough to do. Um, so, so I think he's, you know, he's probably in an advantage from a, you know, driver standpoint. Um, and then Haley's probably at an advantage with the team standpoint, oh, you know, okay. DGR is, you know, where they still haven't been around for a long time. They've been around for three or four years, but they have thrown a lot of resources in it. They've mm-hmm. got a lot of good people. They've won races. Um, now obviously they won Friday night, but they've, they've won some races with Todd, but the last year DGR has hit on some stuff and, and they've been mm-hmm. really fast. And it's a little bit of an unfair question simply because, it is. Yeah, you know, Maddie D's kind of fun. Yeah. a lot more experience. So Haley, it's her second year and, no practice for these poor rookies, and we're getting practice well, she this keeps year. You are this she year. She keeps running into what she minutes. ran into on Friday yeah. night. She had a pretty good run going, and then got. I think she got into some stuff, and then that worked out really well for Matt, yeah. and he ended up tenth or eleventh. I mean, I think she's like a lot of a lot of rookies, you know, where yeah. 
she ran respectably, didn't tear up a lot yeah. of equipment, but yeah. needs to take to a step this year. Yeah, I think she's Again, the most talented that, female driver we've had. Yeah, in but, quite a while. Oh, but Grant, isn't it hard nice. even for somebody like you that's in a new situation this year? You race a week, you're off a week, you race a week, you're off three weeks. You, there's no rhythm to the truck series schedule. And then there's eight weeks in and, a row. And then there's eight weeks in a row, and it's like, isn't that difficult to get in a rhythm from a driver's standpoint and from a team standpoint? From a driver's standpoint, yeah. I think from a team standpoint, and I wouldn't really speak from GMS racing standpoint because they are at the top echelon of the truck series and in we're building our own trucks and we're hanging our own bodies and, and we're hanging bodies and building trucks for other teams. You right, know? So we, right. mm-hmm. we have more resources than say Matt DiBenedetto's team mm-hmm. or, right. or whatever. So I think, I think from a, from an average truck series team, it's, it's, it's an advantage to have a week off and, and stuff like that. From a driver's standpoint, we want to be racing each and every week mm-hmm. and you want to get in a groove with your guys and you just kind of, you know, you, you get in that groove and you just go. But from a team standpoint, I, I think it, that it helps to, you know, have, have a week off after you've destroyed everything at Daytona. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Regroup for Vegas. That's true. Um, but yeah, you, that eight race stretch in the summer is going to be tough with Sonoma in there, Knoxville's in yeah. there, which is, you know, completely different types of trucks and mm-hmm. all you, that kind of stuff. Do you try to find like a routine in those big breaks where it's three or four weeks? Like, do you, do you fish? Do you hunt? Do you do relax? Or do you put time in the sim? Like what, what do you do to try to stay sharp between a month between races? Any, so we're limited on some time oh, these days are. with the okay. manufacturers and any opportunity that I get, I, Take I try it. to make myself mm-hmm. available. Um, so I'm, I'm going again on Friday. I've, I've been very fortunate. Chevrolet has, has put a lot of effort behind our our team this year. And, and I've been, you know, quite a few times this year. Last year, I probably only had the opportunity four or five times mm-hmm. a whole year. Um, so very fortunate of that. You want to take advantage of all that kind of stuff. You can. Um, but, yeah, you, you take that time to, to make – make the most of your opportunities, whether that's, you know, working out or, or, you know, just talking to your crew chief or, you know, watching tapes that mm-hmm. sometimes when you're racing back to back, you don't have time to mm-hmm. watch the Vegas tapes with your crew chief and to, right. you know, talk to your spotter in depth about what's going on. And, um, so, you know, I, I try to hang around the shop as much as I, I can. Um, you know, when it gets to relaxing time and stuff like that, I, I will go fishing every once in a while, but, um, not, not as not as often as I'd like to. Yeah. All right. All right. White flag. Roll Tide or War Eagle? Roll Tide, but I'm married to a War Eagle. Oh, oh. A split household. Ooh. Nice. Yeah. Wow. Nice. That That's makes good. for an interesting was, game day. Yeah, it was interesting this year. Well, they've you got know. Auburn's got it in basketball this year, oh. but we'll give them basketball. Sick. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. All right. Well, Iron Bowl, right? Uh, Iron yeah, Bowl's that's right. Iron Bowl. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and football, Birmingham? I mean. Birmingham? Yeah. Okay. No, it used to always be in Birmingham. And they moved, and it wasn't that now old it goes stadium back and forth Between the two schools. Between the two yeah. schools. Okay. So it's right. kind of like, well, didn't, didn't correct, Texas, correct. Oklahoma used to always be at like the Cotton Bowl? I think so, Was it the yeah. State Fair? That, yeah. that were the Cotton Bowl? Anyway. It is. Okay. Anyway. All right. I, and I can't take credit for this next one, and this may be terrible. Um, I think I heard this on a country radio station the other night, and they had Claire B. Lang on as a guest. And so choose whether or not this is a lyric from a country song or from a presidential address. You want us, all three of us to do this? Well, yeah. If, well, whoever knows the answer first, 
Shout it out. Okay. We live in the land of plenty, but many things aren't plenty anymore. Country song. Yeah. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what I'm going song. with. Okay. Do you know do you know the song? Do you know the artist? No. No. Like the water from our sink, they say it's not safe to drink. You gotta go and buy it at the store. I still don't know it. Okay. Here's the here's the chorus. You'll know it now. So let's leave some blue up above us. Let's leave some green on the I've ground. I've heard this one now. <laughs> it's only ours to borrow. Let's save some for tomorrow. I've heard this. I one. Still leave it. I still don't know this. And song. pass it on down. I, I, I'm, I, the song is "Pass It On Down." Bye. Come on, Grant. Home state of Alabama. Alabama. Yeah, that's an old one, though. Oh, you're young. I kind of forget how young he is. I was going to say. Yeah, Alabama. Oh, it's not all the old ones. Pass it on down. This mm. one, yeah. It's okay. Right if you've done cheap oh. seats, I might have known it. Well, yeah, that. <laughs> closer you get, mountain it's, it's, music. Well, it started off yeah. with, we live in the land of plenty. But y'all, right off the bat, that was like, who? That sounded kind of presidential to me. Maybe it was me, the way I was saying it. Maybe. You got a beard Maybe. like that. Anyway, like Abe Lincoln. But it wasn't him. Okay, that's something different. First one we've tried that on. And you're smiling. I guess you liked it. All right. All right. Well. Oh, I'm not done yet. That was white. Now we're ready for checkered. All right. Last one. I told you he was going to make this one question in the 20. He is. We're at like seven but right this, now. But this is, this, is, this is a good. Well, Andrew took six of us. I did. I, All right. Yeah. So we will, Eric, we will be I mean, the judge. Eric Almarola. You know, you, we will get be, it off your chest. I, I I'll be here all night if you want me. <laughs> we will be the judge whether this is a good question. It or is not. a good. Well, and it ties back to my earlier question. All right. So Eric Almarola is retiring this year. I like to refer to him as the Baconator. No offense to Wilbur. <clears throat> but if Smithfield came calling as a sponsor, Grant and Finger. Would that be a problem for you ethically or morally, no. considering <laughs> considering I, your I poor your poor scene prints? I would Wilbur? cook them myself live on TV. Oh, oh, oh well, you did put a thing on Twitter oh. cooking pork chops with him in the background oh, yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. my word! I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> there was, was times I wouldn't even joke about it, but this day and age, yeah, he's escaped like four times All in right. the last three months. All right, Smithfield, <laughs> you got your guy. Write the check. Next yes, year. That's right. All right. All right. And uh, well, and I was just going to ask, we, we, we hit on. <laughs> Number eight. Favorite. Thank you, Travis. <laughs> Appreciate you being here to count, count this down. This is, well, how many, there's sometimes there are a lot of green white shepherds. Yeah. You know, right? So this is one of those. Numbers. There hasn't been this many since Gateway in like, what was it, 06? Yeah. Well, at least the power didn't fail at that one. That's okay. True. So this is a bit more. Um, so we talked about your favorite track. Do you have a favorite, like, travel destination that you I, you know that you like going your family likes going that you know you guys look get really excited about going to i think nashville is the coolest city we go to and um you know we haven't been there for a while until last year but nashville is just the coolest city the coolest. You know, i think i think charlotte is really cool it's probably like number two or three in the country as far as like just a cool place to go but nashville is probably the coolest okay Awesome. I'd like to go to the IndyCar race there once they kind of get it figured out a little bit. Yeah. The street circuit idea and crossing the river and all that looked pretty cool. Yeah. But they got they got some tweaks to make on that to make it good. But that seemed yeah. like it'd be a fun weekend to to do racing for a whole weekend with the Indy Lights and IndyCar. I agree. Yeah. I agree. That, that like is, you know, 
I guess it would be obvious, but like his year in the sport, even before we were flying in and out of these places and stuff like that, when we were racing ourselves, never really enjoyed ourselves so yeah. much. Like when the wife comes and like when the parents come to Daytona, when all the people that come to support you, yeah, they see the sights and have fun and stuff like that. But we're there to race like it's in and out. It's yeah. we're there to race, especially places you go every year. You know, over it and over. Matter. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, when I, I, it's always been my mentality anyway. I, I try to be focused. I know uh, Michelle, she's, she's all uh, hot and bothered about Sonoma, you know, oh, the wine country the wine. and uh-huh. stuff wine like country. that. So, yeah. It is. I'll, yeah. I get that. I've, I have at times, you know, extended, you know, after the race to sure. where I could relax, you know, for a couple of days after, after for something like that. Um, but it's hard. It's hard to do something beforehand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you do you like to watch Xfinity and Cup races? Do you just like to deep like after you're done on a Friday or Saturday, you like to just disengage, or do you like to watch IndyCar, Formula One, like or other sports? Prefer football? Like what? How, what do you do to entertainment? Do you like other motorsports, or do you like to just watch other like football, basketball? I enjoy watching races. Um, you know, sometimes you know I'll I'll get worn out by wherever we're at and. And, you know, sleep for a couple hours during the cup race or yeah. whatever. <laughs> but, um, you know, for the most part, like I, I love racing and, and genuinely like watching it. Um, I'd say the thing I'm most passionate about is college football. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. You going to do the chili bowl anytime? I don't know. Like I've never done that style of racing. It's so foreign to me. I have a ton of respect for the dirt guys and, and the true dirt racers that I would, I would definitely not ever say never but it's so foreign to me and i'm that's so far out of my element um i don't know it won't be any time and you did snowball derby this year correct yeah and i've done that quite a bit Mm -hmm. um you know that's from where where i grew up it's in pensacola florida which is about 45 minutes mm -hmm. from from fairhope alabama and i I grew up super late model racing and and stuff like that so I, i always enjoy that race um you know and that that's turned into you know kind of like the chili bowl the NASCAR guys get to do that and it's on a time when it's a it's an off week for all the guys and it's turned into a, a bigger deal than than it used to be I think. yeah yeah, yeah. All right. that, that's I didn't have that was it no more. That was thank it. you right. thank you check your flag well you congratulations you can watch Grant drive his number 23 champion power equipment Chevy and the rest of the camping world truck series next Friday night March 4th 9 p.m. Eastern Time on FS1 in Sin City, Las Vegas mm. Motor Speedway. So, uh, Grant, really, we want to mm-hmm. wish you the best of luck in Vegas and throughout the entire rest of the season. And uh, when you win, you have to come back on with us. I'd like to Sounds thank the boys like from Blind Spotting for, ha- <laughs> for this <Yeah>. win. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. But but in all seriousness, thank yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. You've man. been very yes. gracious with your time and uh we're we're excited to watch you this year. Yeah, for sure. Sounds good. Thank all you right. guys. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. What a great interview we had with Grant Enfinger. He had a lot of insight on a lot of different topics. We sprayed a lot of different fields and I hope that you learned some about his history. Uh, a lot of things I didn't know, guys. How about you? There, there was a lot that that he talked about that frankly surprised me. I enjoyed it thoroughly, and he was a, a great. He was sport very candid. And, it was great. Yeah, it was, it was really, really great. Really enjoyed that. Really great. 
Yeah. All right. So the interview, we're going to let it stand for itself. And uh, next week, we are going to come back and review Daytona and California. And then we'll preview Vegas. Uh, and then we will preview Vegas next week as well. We don't have a guest lined up. So that that's our plan. And once again, a huge thank you to Grant Enfinger for coming in studio with us and giving us uh, all of his time that he gave us. And until next week, enjoy the racing from California. And we will see you next week on Blind Spotting. Someone asked me once in an interview What was growing up like? Where'd you go to school and what would you do? If you weren't doing this I'd be driving my first car